Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Nothing like a shocking blockbuster trade to completely upstage the NBA draft. And by the way, since the NBA draft was serial ass, it's a good thing we had that trade. Although it really wouldn't have taken very much to upstage the draft, right? Because it's, how do I put this? Serial ass. An NBA draft, which probably is still going on as we speak. Are they still making picks in Brooklyn? Is Mark Tatum still hugging hysterical second rounders who will never actually see the floor? Is Commissioner Ears done botching franchise names yet? The Detroit Pictons. Pistons select. The Detroit Pictons? The Detroit Pictons. Pistons select. Hey, listen, I get it, Ears. I speak for a living. Believe me, I have misspoken. But the commissioner of the NBA cannot get up there and announce the selection of the Detroit Pictons. Pictons. The Pictons. Pictons. I mean, I hate to be picky about this, but the Pictons? Pictons. That was Commissioner Ears before the fifth overall pick last night. And we pulled that audio from the Pistons. Excuse me, the Pictons. Detroit Pictons. Twitter account. Because even the Pictons. Detroit Pictons. Themselves cannot wait to troll this dude. Even the Pictons. Detroit Pictons. Loved dunking all over the ears. And as much as I would love to spend the next 10 minutes dunking on the ears and the never-ending draft and the excruciating draft coverage and one of the longest and worst nights that I've had in a very long time, I would way rather spend the next 10 minutes talking about what's a pretty fascinating trade to me because nothing happened last night that was anywhere near as shocking or as interesting as the sudden departure of Jordan Poole from Golden State in exchange for... Chris Paul. Poole is out. Paul is in. What? Chris Paul is a warrior? I mean, that is beyond weird. I'm not sure it's the good kind of weird either. Weird is normally good. I'm not sure that's the good kind of weird. That's just the weird kind of weird. Chris Paul is a warrior. And you'll never guess how he found out about that trade. My son again. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, I was at my gym right here, um, here in Winston, playing pickup hooping. And um, after the game got over at one, little Chris came up to me and told me, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm excited." Yeah. What was your reaction? Oh man, I was excited. I was excited um, to get a chance to go play. For a franchise like that, with the great players that they have, it's crazy how life comes full circle. You know, for the last 10 years, I've been competing, um, maybe longer than that, against them. But uh, I'm all about winning. You know, so whatever's going to give me an opportunity to, to win, I'm all for it. You know why you're excited? Two reasons. One, you're not going to the Pictons. Two, you don't have to stay with the Wizards. Detroit Pictons. I don't find this guy to be especially amusing, but I thought that was kind of funny. He's like, my son again. He always knows before I know. That poor kid has had to tell his old man he got traded twice in less than a week. 
That's pretty brutal. Talk about seeing your old man in a different light. Talk about having a couple of tough conversations with Pops. Normally, it's the other way around. Normally, it's Pops having a tough conversation with the kid. I mean, what's next? Since the kid is the one who has to keep delivering the bad news to the old man, what is next? Is he going to have to tell Pops he's too old to drive? Is he going to have to inform Pops that his pants are on backwards? Or did the kid open up one of those adult diaper accounts where they're delivered directly to the home discreetly on the monthly? My son again. Hey, what's this? Yeah, I've been meaning to talk talk to you about that, Pop. These are adult diapers. What? They're adult diapers. You need to wear them. But they come discreetly to the home once a month. CP3 had to think the kid was punking him this time because there's no way this is where he was expecting to end up this offseason, right? No freaking way. He may have known that he was not going to stay with the Wizards, but there's no way that guy could have possibly have known that he would end up in Golden State. But the fact that the Dubs went for this move says some very loud and very clear things about Golden State. Number one, they are absolutely in it to win it right now. Number two, they wanted absolutely no part of Jordan Poole or that massive contract that they gave to him last offseason. And yes, they added Chris Paul in the trade, but the priority was clearly getting rid of the contract and that dude. They wanted nothing to do with that dude or that contract. They essentially could not be saying any louder that throwing Poole 128 mil last offseason was a gigantic mistake. The Wizards gave them a way out of that mistake, so they took it, and they'll figure out how to make it work with CP3 because it's not immediately obvious to me how it's going to work with CP3. I'm not saying that it can't work. I'm saying that I would have some concerns. There are some parts about that that don't feel right. There's some parts about that fit that may not fit, but it could work. It could work. But you don't have to take that from me. You could take it from CP3 himself. Here was his response yesterday to the question of how he does fit with Golden State. For me, I didn't play, you know, on a few different teams now in different situations and systems or whatnot. So um, I don't I don't know. What I do know is that when you play with really good players, you figure it out. And I, I think we'll do that. He just said, I don't know. How do you fit? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, for one thing, dude. Are you going to be able to get out and run and get up and down the way those guys do? Can you figure that out? I got to imagine that the mindset of everybody involved right now is, hey, man, at least we got rid of pool. Jump out the pool on that. We got rid of him. We got rid of his contract. We will figure the rest of it out. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but we're going to have a bunch of good players and We'll all be on the same page, and we'll figure it out, and we have two nut punchers running together. More importantly, we got rid of Poole and that massive contract because clearly giving that guy the bag was a huge mistake. All that did was get his face broken, his numbers diminished, especially when they had to have it. It wasn't there. And his ass shipped to the Wizards. And man, what a big first swing for Mike Dunleavy in his first move as GM. Dunleavy's like, F them youth. 
F them F picks. them youth. F them, F picks. them youth. F them picks. We have Steph. We have Clay. Their windows ultimately will slam at some point. We're trying to convince Dre to come back. We're all the freak in. Let's go. I don't know that it's going to work. I don't know that those pieces all really fit, but let's do this. I don't know that the old nut puncher can get out and play at their pace, like I mentioned. But you know what? I kind of like it. I sort of like this. They get somebody else to take that huge contract that they should have never given to Poole in the first place because clearly he could not handle it. Then they get a Hall of Famer to spell Steph when he needs to go to the bench because when Steph goes to the bench, generally things go to hell for the dubs. And I do like Dunleavy taking a major swing right out the box. But man, it is shocking how badly and how quickly it went so wrong. Poole did seem like the up-and-coming third splash brother. I mean, he even had the perfect game for it, right? Poole seemed like the post-Curry future of the franchise for a minute, and now this dude is a Washington wizard. Here's my other thing. If this guy couldn't make it work running with some of the best players and best dudes ever, playing for one of the best coaches ever, within some of the best culture ever, and a great franchise... If he couldn't make it work there, how the hell is he going to make it work in Washington, which is one of the worst situations? Jordan, way to take the best situation ever, hellified money, and an incredible situation, and then somehow turn that into one of the worst. My man, I hope that was worth it, although I know it's not. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. And believe me, Draymond is not the only guy who's down on pool, obviously, or they would not have run his ass after signing him to that massive extension. And if you're wondering what went so wrong, well, aside from Draymond breaking his face, Steve Kerr basically laid it out on Draymond's podcast already. Kerr doesn't exactly name names, but I think it's pretty obvious who he's talking about when he described the difference between this year's Miami Heat squad and this year's Warriors team. None of those guys on Miami are, are, are sitting there saying, well, I didn't play, or man, they put in so-and-so. Like They're just all about winning. And, and you know this from, from our, our groups that we've had. When, when, you, when you have that championship mentality, every guy's bought in. Every guy's just trying to win. Nobody, nobody cares about any of that stuff. You don't go into the locker room you know, saying, well, I should have played more. You just, you just want to win. And that's the beauty of finding that magic when you have a championship team is that everybody's bought in and it makes the decisions for the coach um, really simple. You just go with go with your gut and go with whoever's playing well. All right, so uh, imagine what he just said and then imagine who he said it to. He said it to Draymond Green on his podcast. Whose side do you think he took? No, he didn't mention Poole by name, but he didn't have to. We all know who Kerr was talking about. 
and what he was talking about. How do we know? Poole is gone. How do we know? He made those statements to Draymond Green, the guy who punched Poole in the face. How do we know? He's not there. He's what he's saying is Poole is not one of us. He doesn't have that championship DNA. He didn't buy in. He didn't fit in. So we're going to put this dude outside the facility with a sign around his neck saying, if you can haul it, you can have it. And then the Wizards showed up with their truck. And now Chris Paul is a warrior, which has triggered some polarized reactions, I'm sure. But I can tell you how you clones are going to react. I already know this. Without even looking, I already know your reaction. Without even glancing down, I know what you're saying. I know what the JTP is saying right now without even looking. They're all fired up because of the potential of the nut puncher and the crotch kicker teaming up and running together and maybe even winning it all together. (laughs) Knowing you clones better than you know yourselves, I know that you are proclaiming that no package in the NBA is safe anymore. I'm sure you're drafting up a Warriors lineup with Draymond and CP3 and calling it the Blasting Packages Package. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go BPP. Or you're going to point out that if you're going to go toe-to-toe with the Warriors next year, you better be rocking a cup and a jockstrap. Now, you're not going to hear that stupid crap from me because it's stupid crap. And I'm not in the business of peddling stupid crap. As if there's any other kind of crap. Smart crap. Remember, Draymond is a free agent right now. I'm not saying that them getting rid of Poole ensures that Draymond is coming back, but it makes it pretty interesting, doesn't it? Unless LeBron gets him on the banana boat, kidnaps him, and somehow charms him into going to L.A. and they can work that out. It's looking more and more like Draymond might not be going anywhere at all. It looks like they may have cleared the deck. It looks like they may have cleared the way for Draymond to return to Golden State. It's been clear for a while, but now it's undeniable. The dubs were on Draymond's side. Even if that punch did derail a good chunk of the season, if not the entire thing. I mean, everybody was so quick to point out, damn, man, Draymond is so out of control. Draymond this, Draymond that. Yeah, well, look who's gone and look who they're trying to bring back. The Warriors all but told you yesterday whose side they were on when they got rid of Jordan Poole. They all but said he essentially had it coming to him. He has four years left on that huge deal. He's gone. And what did they trade him for? A 39-year-old nut puncher who's never there when you need him at the end of the year. That tells you all you need to know about what they think about Poole. He's gone. And now they're doing everything they can to bring Draymond back. And they brought in a 39-year-old nut puncher. A Hall of Famer. But a nut puncher, nonetheless. Man, and thank goodness they did. Otherwise, I'd be sitting here off the top of the program on a Friday talking about the draft. Which was, again, the longest night and one of the worst shows ever. Ever. The only thing that would have made the Warriors blasting packages package better is if Grady Dick fell to them and they drafted him in his red suit. Get it, clones. Get it, clones. 
JTP, go ahead. Put Grady on that list, too. <laughs> How about my guy, Mike Dunleavy Jr.? First of all, used to love having Pops on the show. Good dude, Pops. How about Junior, though? Talk about playing at stealth. It was Junior who said that they plan to have Jordan pull around for, quote, four more years at least. Anyway, he said that. It was, quote, we plan to have him around for four more years at least. Quote, end of quote. Maybe it was a misspeak, and he meant four more years at D.C. instead of four more years at least. Or maybe he meant four more hours at least. Or four more days at least. Maybe Mike was talking about Jordan Poole's pool of blood and DNA left on the practice court and the cleaning crew having a hard time scraping it off. My only real concern right now is if my guy Dave Stern, RIP, is going to bust out of his coffin and block that trade like he did to the Lakers CP3 trade back in the day. If his zombie commish corpse is going to get on a plane to Frisco, wait at Chris's gate and make him fly back to Washington. Then gather the media to smugly tell everybody that he vetoed the trade for, quote, basketball reasons. Craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar or grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business. They take their smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, clones, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? My guest is Brian Kalbrowski. Brian, good to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, it's been a long day. It was a long night, long week, but uh, really glad to have the draft behind us because it's my favorite time of the year to be honest with you. Dude, it's been a long life, hasn't it? I was going to say, Brian, last <laughs> night, Hey, I mean, not to dog the draft, but dude, that was a long, long night and not a very good show. You've done this before. Did that night seem like it was ever going to end? I, I mean, listen, man, I, was, I did the red carpet event first and got there early and talked to some of the prospects and I looked at my watch and it was like 11 p.m. and the second round was about to start so uh, I think they're gonna have to change that at some point in the future and I don't know if they need to do it a two-day event or if they need to just change the format in some way um, but you know the product itself you know is definitely not as exciting as the, as the prospects are for me. No I agree I, it, three or four picks into the second round I'm like oh, you got to be kidding me this thing's never going to end. All right so why don't we talk about a few of the things that did happen. We all know or think we know what he can do on the floor but so far I couldn't be any more impressed with Victor Wembanyama off the floor as I am right now. Realistically what do you think we can expect from Wemby in his rookie season? Yeah, I mean, candidly, I think you can potentially expect the playoffs. 
I, I don't necessarily think that I would put my money on that uh, because I'm not a betting man myself. But I do think that Wembenyama is that kind of a player. Um, I think that he really has the hunger for winning that translates to success at the professional level. And I think that we saw that, you know, last year uh, for Metropolitan signed B2. You know, he, he obviously could have shut down his pre-draft process after game one in the preseason against the G League Ignite. And instead, as an 18-year-old, he led his professional team in France to play in the, in the championship in the French, the top-tier French League uh, against Monaco, which is a really strong uh, European team that plays in the Euro League. Uh, that was fantastic stuff from Victor. Uh, really showed his competitive spirit. I think he wanted to go to the Spurs specifically uh, because of their history for winning. Uh, I don't think that Popovich is looking to be, you know, on the losing side uh, of the playoffs for his final stretch in his uh, professional coaching career. And I think that Wembenyama has the talent uh, to really uh, make that kind of an impact right away. Uh, there just aren't going to be many players who can contend with him on either side of the court. Um, and I think because he, he is such a competitor and he does have that desire to win and he does have that purpose, that driven sense of success, he's going to have it. And even if it's not right away, I think it's going to be in the next two or three years. And, and I think that, um, you know, rookie of the year should be uh, pretty likely, uh, although I will say it's worth remembering that Chet Holmgren is going to be considered at least an option for this rookie of the year class because he wasn't eligible last year due to his injury. And Oklahoma City is another team I think is going to be uh, in the playoffs. So uh, that success in Oklahoma City is going to be worth watching too. Brian Kalbrowski joining us. So, Brian, what about the Hornets? They take Brandon Miller second despite his well-documented off-the-court issues, which... They didn't spend a lot of time on the broadcast talking about last night. Also, that horrendous take that Paul George is the GOAT. Where do you come out on Charlotte drafting the SEC Player of the Year at number two? Do you like that? You know, I think they got pretty good value in the draft overall. They drafted a pair of AAU teammates from Bradley Beal Elite, Nick Smith Jr. and Brandon Miller. Nick Smith, who they got at the tail end of the first round, was actually considered the top college recruit coming into the uh, – NCAA season. He was actually a better player for the AAU team than Brandon Miller was. Brandon Miller was second fiddle to Nick Smith, so they're going to be reunited in Charlotte. I, I think that Mitch Kupchak had an awful answer after the draft about why uh, they, they felt that it was appropriate to draft Brandon Miller based off of the intel they got. I think you can give it any number of answers about it, uh, and the one that he gave was just so wishy-washy and so uncertain that it made me feel less confident. Uh, whatever background check they did do on him. Um, I think that Brandon Miller is an ideal floor spacer for the modern NBA, six foot nine, shot over 40% from three during the regular season. Um, I wasn't quite as high on him as I was some of the other prospects uh, in this class just because um, I think that you know some of the shooting numbers were a little concerning for me against top competition and from NBA distance. Uh, but I do think for a rebuilding franchise like the Charlotte Hornets, uh, adding guys like Nick Smith and Brandon Miller uh, is a good thing, and I think that um, you know they'll have a they'll have an interesting road. And I think that it was probably the right call ultimately to not go overly redundant at the guard position by drafting Scoot uh, when you already had Lamelo Ball. So uh, I think that from a positional standpoint. Uh, they, they, did a, they did a good job. All right, so, Brian, I'm not looking to go down every single pick, but let me just ask you about the third okay. pick, too. What's your reaction to Portland taking Scoot Henderson with the third pick? And then, ultimately, what do you think that means to Damian Lillard? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I'm really uncertain what it means for Damian Lillard. Uh, it's, been, it's been the biggest cat-and-mouse game uh, for the last several years. You know, I 
I definitely have been rooting for Damian Lillard's success, but uh, I, I'm not sure how much success they're going to have in terms of his pursuit of a championship uh, with the roster that they have moving forward. Um, defensively, I don't think it's up to par, uh, especially with him, unfortunately, as the point of attack defender. Uh, I think that Damian Lillard is one of the most exciting basketball players I've ever seen, especially uh, in the waning minutes of a basketball game. Incredibly clutch, but um, you know, if, if, if they want to have a, a championship in Portland, I, I don't think this is the route to do it. Um, I do think that you know, Scoot can be um, you know the franchise centerpiece point guard of the future uh, in the years past Damian Lillard. Um, but in terms of trading Damian Lillard, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, what that value would even look like. And I think that at this point, he seems content to want to have that statue built outside of Portland, you know, continue to live in Oregon, uh, which is obviously a beautiful place to live, you know, with his family. I mean, his mom still lives in Portland with him too. And I think that, um, you know, they, he seems to be content with that lifestyle. So I think at this point, you know, it's just going to be about uh, that mentorship for, for Scoot. And I think, you know, Scoot and, and, and Shaden Sharp uh, are both, uh, really, really, really athletic, young, dynamic prospects. Uh, it took non-traditional paths to get to where they are now. Uh, and I'm excited to see the young core and how they develop. Uh, just not really sure how it fits with the gaming all the time whatsoever. So before you go, Brian, what about your reaction to Golden State making that deal? Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. What's your reaction to that, Brian? And why do you think Golden State did that? Well, I think they did that to get Chris Paul that ring. I think that realistically there were obviously chemistry issues uh, between Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. I think Jordan Poole candidly has, has one of the worst contracts in the NBA. Um, I think he's a high-usage player who uh, doesn't necessarily uh, deserve that high of, a, high of a usage rate on the same team as someone like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Uh, Chris Paul is going to be more of that floor general culture setter um, who's going to be able to set the table up a little bit you know, for Steph Curry, who does play off-ball more than people realize. Um, you know, a higher assist combination is Draymond Green to Steph Curry than Steph Curry to Draymond Green. You know, the passing usually goes to Steph Curry. So Chris Paul is going to be a really uh, fantastic guard to get uh, Chris, uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson going. I think that, you know, getting off of the money that they gave to Jordan Poole, um, a little a little trigger happy there, uh, is a good thing. And I think that, you know, Chris Paul is going to have a chance to, to win that championship before he retires and, um, you know, as long as he's able to stay healthy for the playoffs, I think there's a, at least a chance of that, uh, so long as, you know, that team is healthy. I think they should do whatever they possibly can to, to retain Draymond Green. I think that uh, by getting rid of Jordan Poole, that sort of indicates that that is their intention. I think there's going to be a market for Draymond Green, though, who opts out of his player option uh, because Draymond Green is such a valuable player for any team that's trying to win next season. Uh, so there, he's going to have suitors, but, but I think that Golden State um, is going to be uh, – is going to be – a good position to keep him because they've had so much success with him over the years. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if we see Golden State get one more ring before this thing's all said and done and Steph Curry continues uh, to climb on that pantheon of, you know, the greatest to ever do it. I agree with that. I think Draymond Green may, in fact, be on his way back. I think that doesn't guarantee anything, but I think that I would not be surprised at all if he were to come back. How about one final thought, Brian? Draft night comes and goes. Zion Williamson is still with the Pelicans. Is it because, in your opinion, they still want to build around him as the face of the franchise, or is it because they could not find any deals to their liking? I think it's somewhere in the middle, Jim. I think that realistically, uh, it's never a good idea to trade an asset at the lowest point of its value. Uh, and right now, I think that Zion's trade value has got to be the lowest it's ever been. 
obviously there's been some some off the court drama uh, that people have probably been following on Twitter and other places, and I think that that's obviously the least of their concerns. The bigger concern for for, for Zion right now is his ability to stay healthy. And right now, I think there are so many huge, huge question marks about Zion's ability to stay healthy and to uh, get on the court that teams around the league aren't necessarily going to be giving uh, the pretty penny that they would when he plays at MVP value and MVP caliber. And when Zion is healthy, he does play at that caliber uh, of, of play on the court. And I think that Zion is somebody uh, that at this point, it's better to just gamble on you hopefully getting that uh, from him than, than punting uh, when his value is so low. And I think that Zion Williamson um, can get there uh, eventually. I think that he is somebody who is still young. I mean, there, there are guys in the draft who are about his age, man. Um, you know, he was only a one-and-done at Duke, and it wasn't too long ago that he was drafted. So uh, I, I've got confidence that Zion's going to be able to have uh, a few strong seasons in New Orleans. And at that point, uh, it's worth keeping him on your roster instead of trying to you know, squeeze out pennies on the dollar for somebody who is the number one overall pick, uh, especially for a team like New Orleans that hasn't exactly had a ton of success in free agency or anything like that. Um, and I've had franchise superstars like Anthony Davis request out before. Let him be the one to demand the trade. Let him be the one to demand the trade. Instead, hold on to him while you have him. Um, and, you know, if he starts playing well again and you want to reevaluate it next season after maybe he's had an all-star caliber campaign, could be reconsidered then once you kind of know, like, in the back of your mind, hey, we're not still sure he could actually stay healthy, but we just saw him do it once. Let's trade him now. I think that would make more sense to me. He is a national NBA writer for USA Today's For the Win content. Also, coming off a long, long night. Brian, really appreciate it. I know that was a long night. I know you sucked it up. You played through it, and that's a great conversation. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You got to play through those injuries. So I appreciate you having me on. U.S. Cellular is introducing us mode. You know, it's kind of like airplane mode, but for people. It's a way to set up your phone so it does not get in the way of people really being with each other. Block distractions. Make way for real connections. Give it a try. Visit U.S. Cellular in store or online, and they'll help set up your phone to us mode free. Even if you're not a customer, built for superior 5G connection and real human connection, U.S. Cellular, built for us. Find out more at uscellular.com slash find us. So the draft last night was brutal. It was. I mean, say what you want about the NFL draft. Maybe it's got to be a bit much. Maybe it's a lot. Maybe it drags. Maybe it's a little overhyped. But the NBA draft, on the other hand, is just flat-out terrible. The NBA draft is so bad that the rounds in one night feel longer than the seven rounds over three days. Seriously, the two rounds last night felt longer than seven rounds over three days. Last night felt like a freaking eternity. It was that painful. And now we're in an era where all Americans... And tournament stars like Adama Sinogo and Drew Timmy go undrafted. While you've got dudes from the G League and some other random fake leagues that 95% of you have never heard of have guys going in the lottery. I mean, it's weird. And boring. And long. And the coverage is painful. Painful. Like, how many times did you find yourself changing one channel to go to the other channel to find out it was the same coverage before you finally decided, man, I got to take this online. I can't take any more of this. Do you enjoy, do you enjoy pain? The draft is boring. 
The coverage, painful. The players, I mean, pretty anonymous, right? Even if we know who they are, what are they really saying? The same crap. It's just not that interesting. Except for one guy. Except for Wemby. He's free in the universe. And he is officially a San Antonio Spur. And I just can't get over how this dude just seems like he was born for the spotlight. I have never seen a young guy more comfortable under the hot glare of the spotlight than this dude. And it's not just because he's like 15 feet tall. His gigantic brain is even more impressive than his gigantic frame. Check out some of what he said last night. Check out this dude cracking back on people who say that he needs to bulk up. Again, he's like 15 foot 7 and weighs about 140 pounds. So everybody's like, dude, you got to bulk up. When are you going to bulk up? What are you going to do in order to bulk up? Listen to him deliver this crack back to no less a legend than Robin Roberts. Check this exchange. There have also been some who look at you and go, are you ready the day in, day out, the grueling NBA schedule? They could think that because they don't, they don't know my work ethic. I know how I work, how we work with my, with my surroundings, my environment. You know, I, I could never have any doubt. And so when someone says, bulk up. Why? What for? <laughs> <laughs> you should tell others to skinny up. So Robin went to the famous, someone would say, people will say, what if somebody said this? Can't we just ask the questions? My man, don't you need to bulk up in order to deal with the rigors of playing in the NBA? That aside, she is a legend. That aside, this guy's response was even more legendary. What would you say to those who say you have to bulk up he said, and I quote, why? Why? Do I tell you or them they have to skinny up? Why not skinny up? That is genius. Skinny up. Skinny up. Skinny up. <laughs> Believe me, that guy, unlike a lot of those other draftees who should have known exactly what questions were coming, he knew that was coming. He knew that somebody was going to say, yo, big dog. Don't you need to bulk up? He had that one locked and loaded. Nah, maybe you need to skinny up. Skinny up. <laughs> Freaking genius. I mean, essentially, he's like, you shouldn't talk to me about how I look. I look great. I am great. I feel amazing. What you should really do is go to the rest of these chunks and drop a fat alarm right in their face. Skinny up. You know, it would have been so great if he had said, you know, I'm, I'm new to this and I haven't spent a lot of time in this country, but I am well aware of that famous talk show legend, Jim Rome. And I know that he has a fat alarm. So I want to play that anytime somebody tells me to bulk up. Skinny up. Skinny up. <laughs> hey, check this one out. The Skinny NBA up. Twitter account asked the top prospects who they wanted to thank. Almost every last one of them said the same thing. I want to thank my parents. I want to thank my coaches. Not Wemby. Listen to who Wemby thanked. Who do you want to thank tonight? The universe. The universe. I want to thank the universe. Who do you want to thank tonight? The universe. 
I'm not exactly sure how this dude got this worldly and this wise by age 19. And I have no idea how he's going to pan out on the floor, although I'm guessing pretty well. But I can't see the future. But how can you not love this guy? How can you not be excited about this guy? Especially considering the alternative option would have been Brandon Miller. Miller did not successfully talk his way out of the number two pick as hard as he tried. Remember, you want to convince somebody not to pick you? Say that Paul George is the GOAT. You want to convince a team owned, well, previously owned by Michael Jordan, not to pick you? Tell everybody you saw the GOAT airball free throw and that he's old. Sounded to me like he didn't want to go there. Well, he's going there. And he's headed to Charlotte to get his ass kicked by MJ. And he also failed to clarify his horrible, horrible Paul George is the GOAT take. Here's how he tried to reconcile that. Here's how he tried to explain that. I grew up watching Paul George. It was never LeBron. I never knocked LeBron. LeBron is, you know, the be- definitely the best player in the league. But, you know, I'm a Paul George fan. So, of course, I, I, I thought I made it clear that my GOAT was Paul George. But, you know, just to make it clear, my GOAT is Paul George. Still not clear, dude. Still not making sense at all. Still ridiculous. Your GOAT means your greatest of all time. So you're still telling us that Pandemic P is your best player ever. If Pandemic P is, in fact, your best player ever, that's one of the worst takes I've ever heard. I would literally rather just skip ahead to all the Thompson twins hold me now emails and listen to Alvy fire off this crap. Then listen to Brandon Miller trying to explain and talk down to me about Paul George being the freaking GOAT. I'd rather read Thompson Twins emails and hear that horrible song than hear that horrible take one more time. Total Big E. Skinny up, son! Skinny up! Yours every single smack off script to half in Richmond next Friday. Skinny up. Skinny up. Skinny up. JJ writes, JJ! There's a lot of JJs coming in today. JJ! Hey, Jim, much like you and your family vomiting while watching Space Jam, I was puking all over those tacky, over-bedazzled suits that some 11-year-old girl designed. Signed, David August. David August would not say that. My man David August is not like that. He is not a hater at all. Keep his name out your mouth, JJ. Hey, Rome. After they got drafted back-to-back, the mother of the Thompson twins just simply said, Hold me now. Great, Jeremiah. Really uh, original. Hey, Jeremiah, do you think you're the first one who sent that? No, Jeremiah, there were probably 1,000 other morons who beat you to it. I'm just doing you a solid by reading yours. A million, Jeremiah. I mean, twins going back-to-back in the draft was kind of cool, sort of cool, until you took what was kind of cool and sort of cool and wrecked it like you do most things. 
Who thinks, oh man, I can't wait to get Rome, a Thompson Twins hold me now take, because I know nobody else will do it. Yeah, that or everybody else. Isn't that lame thing they do on blogs? Everybody on the internet said the same thing in response to insert. That's this. Lane Johnson is my guest. Lane, it's great to have you on. How are you? Doing well. Uh, getting ready for uh, training camp here in about a month. So uh, getting ready to rock and roll. That's what I was going to say. The OTAs are over. Training camp gets underway in about a month. So what do you do between now and then before, well, actually the calm before the storm? How do you spend that month? I mean, you spend it with friends and family, but, you know, the foref- uh, forefront, I believe, is just uh, training, uh, not only your your body, but your mind, getting ready for the season. Uh, yeah, and just, uh, you know, it usually goes from late July to, to January, February, so it's a marathon at the end of the day, too. Hey, Lane, you hit on my favorite topic of all. You said, I got to train my body, but most of all, I have to train my mind. What does training your mind evolve? What kind of things do you do? What are you working on? Uh, I mean, it's a lot about focusing. It's a lot about uh, planning your work and then uh, working your plan. So really, you know, having goals, but really just outlining uh, your day. And really, uh, really, it's about time management uh, at the end of the day. So doing that. And then uh, for me, it's a lot about focus. So different games, different activities, stuff you can uh, do like that. Um, you know, I do. I feel like a lot of players are, are trending towards that, too. We're talking to Lane Johnson. I can appreciate it. Now, last offseason, or I should say your season included having surgery in mid-February to repair that torn adductor. Lane, for those who don't know, that's a groin injury. You suffered it in Week 16 against the Cowboys. The fact that you played through that injury during the postseason and the Super Bowl, to me, is pretty insane, even for you. What drove that decision, and then how much pain were you dealing with? Uh, you know, initially, I feel like the pain was probably, you know, worse than it was towards the end. So really the first couple of weeks was tough, but I feel like after, you know, some of the other muscles compensated, uh, and actually it was both, it was both groins had to be uh, redone at the end of the day. So, yeah, but, you know, towards the Super Bowl, the last two weeks, uh, I wasn't as, as, in as much pain as I was initially, but yeah, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, hockey players have done. I feel like a few NFL players have done. Uh, Cam Jordan was one of them. And so it's really just about a pain tolerance and, and then just management throughout the week. Lane Johnson joining us. Lane, I'm not going to say that it compares in any way, but I had a double hernia surgery two years ago. It sucked, yeah. dude. It sucked. It took me three days post-surgery to relearn how to even get out of bed. My core was so shot. What yeah. was your recovery like from this procedure? And how are you now? Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, yeah, so initially right after surgery, you're supposed to walk, but I had I had a lot of difficulty. So, yeah, for anybody, it's like, I guess, uh, be like uh, us getting a C-section pretty much, basically those type of surgeries. So, you know, even coughing, uh, moving, lifting your leg up to, to get in the car, all that. For like the first two or three days, I just stayed on the couch, um, you know, only to get up to go to the bathroom. And, uh, yeah, really the first week was, was very tough. But uh, – the rehab is pretty, um, you know, you do a lot initially because they don't want you to heal up stiff. So after the first couple of weeks, it, it really got better quick. Uh, for me, uh, you know, strength came back uh, pretty quickly. But a lot of it was just getting strong and then keeping your range of motion. So um, to try to prevent any of that stuff uh, happening again. And, and from what I've read and what uh, doctors told me that there's, you know, less than like a 1% chance of, of it happening again. Um, but similar, similar surgeries, I, I believe the Bosa guys had, Bosa brothers, um, 
yeah, so yeah, it's just a, it's a weird injury. It's hard to describe for people that uh, that don't know much about it. But yeah, initially the pain is pain's pretty tough. Yeah, dude, you nailed it. You nailed it. In fact, I'm thinking about that, what you just said, because I've done a little research on my procedure because once in a while I still feel it. And I've noticed that there is such a thing as recurrent hernia surgery. So I know exactly what yeah. you're saying when you say you hope it doesn't come back and it shouldn't come back, but... It could. Let me ask you, you're 33, and you've already had a Hall of Fame career. You already have, in my mind. You haven't allowed a sack, Lane, since week 11 of the 2020 season, which is an incredible stat. You have your ring. I'm curious, when you consider the way the second half of the Super Bowl played out last year, what did that do for your sense of urgency and motivation heading into next season? Uh, just, you know, gave me a lot of, um, lot of hope. I feel like we really – did some great things in the drafts. And, you know, uh, for me, man, it's, you know, I've been in the game for a while, but I've been in it with a bunch of great guys. You know, uh, I came from a only child family. So, um, you know, having Fletch and BG and Kels and, and Slay, some of the guys that have been around for a long time and had a career to play with them, it's really about finishing up with those guys and really having a good time. Uh, I, I really do enjoy uh, talking to the young guys, uh, you know, just how I pick brains of guys when I was coming up in the league. I know they're, looking to do the same or just talk ball. So really, you know, that's kind of what inspired the, the whole O-line masterminds um, thing in the first place was just trying to gain knowledge. And I feel like now we're in a place where, you know, we can kind of utilize this technology that's taking over the world. So, you know, all I had to do was just get a place and, and people were willing to meet up. I want to break that down fully in one minute, and I'm going to get there. I want to ask you one more thing first. You've blocked for a lot of different quarterbacks in your outstanding career. You're going to give 110 regardless of who's behind you, but given his unique skill set and his off-the-charts tangibles, what's it been like playing with Jalen Hurts the last couple of years? Uh, you know, he's a unique player. I've had the ability to play with some some mobile quarterbacks um, from Vic. Um, you know, Carson was able to do some things with legs. And, and Jalen, yeah, just having that guy, uh, it really gets into the mind of the defense, um, you know, gets in the linebacker's head. It, it affects coverages. Uh, it really changes a lot of the things for the game. And so I feel like for almost alignment, it does make it easier. It makes it really tough for, de- for defenders to be right. But I just feel like how he's developed, I feel like uh, how he handled his situation in college really spoke volumes. And, uh, you know, he didn't talk a whole lot, but, but he spoke a lot with how he worked, um, you know, with a team at practice in the weight room. And, um, you know, really, I just think his maturity uh, for his age is is exceptional. But, Man, he, he does a good job with uh, with getting our guys fired up, and uh, you know, really when he speaks, a lot of a lot of substance is in it. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I just continue to see him climbing and climbing. Lane Johnson joining us. All right, so you're getting ready for the sixth annual OL Mastermind Summit. Again, it's July 7th and July 8th at the Sports Academy at the Star in Frisco, Texas. Lane, for those who do not know about the summit, exactly what is it, and how did it come to be? Yeah, so I feel like, uh, you know, credit Von Miller to really starting the camp. He started this with a defensive lineman, I feel like, um, you know, a long time ago. But really, uh, we have a lot of time in the offseason, and I feel like the timing, especially before camp, a month before camp, to get all these guys in the room, Hall of Fame guys, uh, guys currently playing in the NFL, college guys, getting them in a room to where we can discuss football, uh, we can talk about stuff on the field, off the field, and really – you can learn a lot from people that, that have lived um, your life before you, uh, you know, playing and really just get a great insight. And I feel like the location is, is exceptional. Um, and just the outlets and the people that we have um, presenting all this to us has really, really been special. So, yeah, last year we had about 
uh, around 225, I believe. This year will be around 250 or more. So, yeah, man, it's, it's really cool getting all these guys together. And, and uh, you know, we get a lot accomplished in two days. All right, so how much has the event evolved since year one? And then what do you have planned for this year's edition? Yeah, so year one was, uh, um, you know, it was located the same place. But I believe we had around 20 guys show up with just our pencils, notepads. Uh, we're able to talk ball, watch film. Um, you know, we go eat a nice dinner and kind of hang with, with guys that you, um, you know, have been playing with. And, uh, yeah, just over the course of the past, you know, five, six years, people have just, uh, you know, asked about it word of mouth. And uh, really it's grown, you know, tremendously over the past two years. Um, this year we have uh, Andrew Whitworth coming, uh, Will Shields, uh, Jeff Saturday is going to be there, Orlando Pace, uh, Bruce Matthews, that's going to be on our Legends legends panel uh and then mike Pereira is coming to discuss the rules um brian baldy he's going to be down here uh doing baldy's breakdowns as you know uh glaze is going to be doing a like a mental health uh, talk which i think is is very important so that's a big um you know topic that that we've kind of covered the past two to three years um and really you know the uh, last year uh, metro four did a did a great job of putting this all together uh, Duke Mannyweather, and they're, and they're doing it again this year. Dude, incredible. Those are some big, big names. So one last thought. In terms of mental health, you know, for so long, Lane, we know this. It was taboo. Guys didn't want to talk about it, especially in that sport where you got to find a way to get on the field no matter what because availability is your best ability. How do you guys attack mental health? What's that conversation sound like when you all get together? Yeah, well, I feel like the NFL is taking, you know, great initiative uh, just with outlets uh, within the building. Um, so we always had that in our hand. And a lot of guys work with guys – um, you know, uh, mental performance coaches, um, you know, a guy that I've, I've enjoyed talking to the past few years. His name is Brian Kane. Um, you know, what I like about him is that he, he's worked with every different field of athletics. And so when you hear guys like uh, George St. Pierre talk, uh, you know, how he handled, you know, fighting in the octagon, which I kind of see, you know, playing in the NFL, it's all about, you know, 11 individual matchups. So you know, really I'm blocking one guy the whole game. So really, you just get inside the mindset. Uh, you get inside time management, and so you kind of alleviate the stress, um, you know, that you can have by by not being organized. And then he presents you with just tools to, you know, to deal with your emotions um, and stuff like that. And I feel like, you know, as far as the NBA, Kobe Bryant, you know, with the mama mentality thing, I just feel like now the past five years that it's really been discussed uh, a great deal more and could have, you know, We'd had this all along, no telling the amount of lives that could have been saved. But um, yeah, just I feel like a lot of guys are coming forward for the good, and it's not a um, you know you're not putting on a show. It's really. Um, uh, about personal development at the end of the day. By the way, I, I can't get enough of that stuff. I love all those things you just mentioned. And I would add, too, that this is not my original thought, but I believe this, action alleviates anxiety, right? Action alleviates yeah. anxiety. When you talk about time management, what we're really talking about is instead of sitting around ruminating about all these things that could go wrong, have gone wrong, action alleviates anxiety. He is Lane Johnson. He's the co-founder of the OL Mastermind Summit. The sixth edition is in Frisco, Texas, July 7th, July 8th. Lane, always good to have you on the show. Much respect, and thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Trevor in Appleton, Wisconsin. What's going on, Trevor? How are you? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Great. Good. Hey, I wanted to thank Stucknut for decoding methylene's jibber-jabber yesterday on her beef. I don't know what scares me more her lack of command of the English language, or the fact that she can't get through a 30-second rant without talking about crabs. Methleen, as a teacher, 
I can't help you with those crabs. Tell you what, though, if I get a golden ticket and win the five gur, I'll drop a couple hundred of it, fly you up to Wisco, and get you a proper education. Jim, while I'm here, I'd like to formally put my money on Mike in Indy for the Smack Off 29 champ. Watch out, though, Mikey. I'll be coming for you next year. All right, Trevor. Trevor seems to feel very, very good about his C-minus level smack. Parody Larry. Lawrence, what's up? Hey, Romulus, how are you? Good, dude. Hey, uh, after hearing uh, Methleen's call yesterday, obviously she taught James Kelly the language. So come on, Methleen, your calls make the clone scream. No one can tell what you mean. Why don't you learn a language? You look like a sow. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. Parody Gary. Not a very good call. Parody Gary, that's not a very good call, but then again, none of yours are. So it's been all about the smack off, right? And there's more. We're now seven days out, incredibly. Seven days out from smack off number 29. The 29. Not 29 seasons, 29 years. We've done this for 29 consecutive years. In one week, another King of Smack is going to be crowned. One week from today, I will be tossing out a strap to a worthy champion. And frankly, I'll admit it, confession, I can't wait. I can't wait. Hardly wait. Believe it or not, that was a close submission. I know, that's hard to believe. Hardly Yeah, that nightmare of a song aside. It's been, an, uh, and it's hard to put that aside. That is a nightmare. Bro, don't you ever wreck my favorite band's music ever again. I can't It's wait. been, aside from that nightmare of a song, an amazing smack-off season, and we've had a run of spectacular RSVP calls. I mean, for real. If you look back, Mark in Boston, Mark in Hollywood, Jeff in Richmond, Lef, the BIC, and now Caleb yesterday have all blown in here with outstanding RSVPs. RSVPs that would have been good enough maybe not to win on the day, but did belong that day. That good. And I know every one of these guys, they're tactical and strategic enough to know they don't want to shoot their shot a week out, but they want to fire a warning shot to everybody to let them know we're locked, we're dialed, we're ready. We're fighting trim. We're hungry. All of them, all those RSVPs that I referenced, all make them sound like they are dialed and they're legitimate, legitimate contenders once again. See, the fact is the smack-off field itself is stacked. So we spent the last month or so profiling that field. What I want to do now, and I've done this in years past, but I want to do this for a reason. I want to switch up and I want to talk about some people that we almost certainly will not be hearing from a week from today. And the reason I want to do that is maybe I can smoke one of these guys out. Maybe. And if I can get even one of these people to call the day of, this to me is worth it. Now, as badly as I want to hear from all of them, because I am talking about jungle OG, OGs, I would take even one of them. Here are some people that I wish would call that probably won't. Here are some people that help make the event what it is today. And they deserve the run, and they all have open invites, even though we haven't heard from them in forever. They could come out of nowhere after 10 or 15 years, call next Friday, and get on the air. I'm talking about people like the Brothers Detola. 
brother. The most prolific sibling act ever in the jungle. And when I call these guys OGs, I mean it. Jeffrey the Esquire, Doc Mike were both there, there from the very beginning. They both called in to the original, the great American smack-off of 1995. In other words, they started calling into the show before the operative in the back row, Jack Savage, was even born. Everybody remembers that JT the Brick won the Great American Smack-Off. But your Smack-Off 2 champion the following year was none other than Jeffrey Ditola. Jeffrey snagged his strap, his only strap, with this call. I don't want to be a legend anymore. I don't need my own 800 number to call the jungle. I don't want my own radio show. I'm tired of being one of your boys like Husto and Psycho Mike. I want to stay on hold forever like everyone else. I want to be the one on the other end of the line when you say, in order of the longest wait, 153 minutes, Jeffrey E. Ditola. So here's the first call from the new me. Okay, Jim, you're huger than really big things. Next, women's basketball rules. Why? Because they're so fundamentally sound. Next, I know that bowling is a sport. Why? Two reasons. Because you have to wear special shoes and because I do it. Jim, doctors who can prescribe drugs for their brother's rule. Jim, from now on, as far as I'm concerned, I am the anti-legend. I am Jeffrey E. Ditola Esquire, king of the clones. Uh, uh, me. Man, how the event has evolved. That was good enough to win Smack Off 2. But in its context, it was great. So Jeffrey got his strap. His doctor brother that he referred to, Doc Mike, got the next one at Smack Off 3. So the brothers went back to back. Three years after that, Doc brother. Mike became the first two-time King of Smack at Smack Off 2000. So I'm cruising through Barnes & Noble the other day, Jim, and I walked by the magazine wall, and there it is, sandwiched in between the WWF and Beanie Baby Mags, NASCAR magazine. I thought it would be all pictures, you know, scratch and sniffs, word finds, connected two dots puzzles, but this issue was dedicated to the king, Richard Petty. Suffice it to say, dude is not handsome. His skin makes Dennis Connors look like an oil of Olayad. And imagine my shock when I flip to the next page and see Michael Jordan. Jordan looks completely out of place because he's got only one chin and 28 teeth instead of vice versa. And here's Jordan doing a PSA for organ donation. Exactly what organ is a NASCAR fan going to be able to donate? Uh, lungs? No, they're charred. Uh, liver? No, it's now the size of a small car. Heart? No, it appears to have been deep fried. I mean, what's left? A uvula? <laughs> These dudes... They both have lifetime exemptions because they've both won. But you don't necessarily need to win it to get a lifetime exemption. You can just be incredible over an extended period of time and make it better every single time you call. Like Terrence. Terrence and Sierra Madre. The best caller ever to this program to never actually win a smack-off. Terrence did call into 15 main events. He top 10 14 of the 15. He hit the top five six times, and he managed a couple of trips to the podium. But he never got to wear the crown. And it's a damn shame because he is one of the best things that ever happened to this jungle. But at least he's better off than poor old Steve Garvin, who has to constantly tell kids, no, I'm not your dad. I'm Steve Garvin, okay? You want Steve Garvey. 
He's the one who pumps chicks like a rabbit on crystal meth, not me. Hi, Freddy. He's a scared, coward a-hole. And if I ever meet him on the street, I will fight him. Brett from Corona. I'm assuming that's not Brett from Corona Del Mar, but Brett from Corona Del Trailer Park. Hey, as much as I enjoy hearing you put the wood to Iafredi, it seems to me your whole beef with him is based on the fact that he hasn't died yet. You know, I just hope when the years start creeping up on you, you will follow your own advice and hoist yourself up on a shower rod. Was it really that long ago that a fresh, mole-faced kid out of Cal State Fullerton stopped watching porn long enough to enlighten the world about the thin line of blasphemy? Well, I was screening calls for Jim Rome. Hey, weaklings, better not cross the thin line of blasphemy. I wish I was home watching porn today, but I wouldn't. And laconic, it looked like Eric Gagne, M-O-L-E, that spells free. DexterManly.com, baby. Come on, everybody now. Sing along. Screw it. Now you know why people still tweet and email references to Terrence almost every single day. Somebody picked him to win the smack off today, and he hasn't called in over a decade. He hasn't called the show in over a decade. But strap or not, he's a jungle icon. And even though he hasn't called in over a decade, I would take his call on Friday. I would. Another one of the best to never win that we have not heard from in a long time is Kerwin in Riverside. Kerwin had a short but great smack-off career and just barely missed winning it all in 1999 when he ripped the silver when he made this call. You know, the other day I was watching the Bricks gift wrap another game away by giving the ball to Ewing in the fourth quarter. And being the avid sports fan that I am, recognizing all aspects of the game at every given moment, the one thing I constantly kept noticing was, my God, I've parked my car in garages smaller than this guy's nostrils. I mean, if Amazon.com is still looking for a place big enough to store their books and CDs, Patrick's your man. And I still can't figure out for the life of me how this guy wasn't able to get the NBA players a better deal. I figured he would have just walked right into the meeting and warn the owners down by sucking all the oxygen out of the room. But I guess trees make a lot of oxygen, but you use a lot of oxygen, eh, Patrick? Kerwin, filling out the category of best who never win but still invited forever is that legend Jim in Fall River. He came up once again on the show yesterday because he is still constantly referenced as a jungle legend, even though he's been AWOL for nearly 20 years. It's incredible. Even I bring this guy up. 20 years after the fact, it's extremely unfortunate because there has never been another one like this one. And what's up with these people lately, all these myopians that have upgraded from pissing Calvin bumper stickers to those useless little red on new Leon, Leon lights shining from the windshield at night like they look some kind of gangster from the Jetsons' life. Hey, yo, player, all those stupid lights on your windshield do is help our local police figure out who to harass after dark, okay? Better you than me. And really, there's only a few people on the show that annoy me the, the hell. And lately, it's Mark and Buffalo, the guy that threatened to kick my ass twice on national airwaves, dude. I, I know a guy from Providence. He made the roadie to the Buffalo tour stop. He saw Mark running around with his grassy knee pads, and he assured me that Marky, he couldn't muscle a land tortoise with a sack of rocks. Hey, Marky, when you called during the Bruce Smith interview last year to ask him out to dinner, were you pining to pitch the pepper or catch the cod? I must tell you, Buffalo, I felt thoroughly embarrassed for the first time to be a jungle listener, hearing number 78 awkward, awkwardly waiting for the heavy breathing on the other end of the line to stop, and I wanted to boil my radio and throw up. And then you get lips in Phoenix on a car phone, the one who brags about his smack style like some toddler pointing at a turn in a bowl. Hey, maybe he could do the clones a favor and let us know where to score some of those
Tesla's metal detector road trip travel catalogs. Maybe Rex Reed on a car phone found a tape somewhere out in the Appalachians, and he'll spare us any Who Killed Kenny resets this year, and hopefully one day just have his own radio show and leave us alone. Yo, Jeff, throw in some chapstick and roll down to KGME with your soup coolers outstretched to rear management. Let them know that you're a team guy, sport. And then there's Gino, Sister Superior. The truth about Gino is when he tangled with the trolls on Smack Chat 3, the guys that play rapid-fire smack, those so-called no-lifers can still serve up your battered and breaded ass up in a basket with mashed coleslaw and a biscuit. If you're okay to take it up again. This year, you're the only donkey I need to get through my car, okay, buddy? Rack the trolls as major contributors to the jungle, jungle subculture and the steadfast defenders of our inalienable right to coin us without taxation. I had more cute cards made up about Amish tattoo parlors and Ethiopian buffet restaurants, but Jim, this is a family show, and it's about to get more dysfunctional by the minute, and I feel right at home. No mules, just right. God rack America. In the words of Robert the Chief Parish, yes. Definitely. I mean, 20 years ago, that, that call was not made this week. 20 years ago, that guy did that. And I've been looking for him ever since. Oh, don't you worry. I'm here. Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. Hope you had a good weekend. Welcome to the show. Lots to get done on this Monday, and it's great to have you here. Hi. 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 Smack off month. We are coming downhill right now. We are getting closer and closer. Let's get at it. All right, so starting with some golf. That was a classic and traditional U.S. Open. Everybody complaining about everything and nobody being happy about anything. So much money. Let's make some money! Don't forget about your dear old sis. That's so much money. Wyndham Clark. <laughs> it's obviously life-changing. That's some of the stuff that I haven't really thought about and it hasn't sunk in. And it's, I mean, that's some serious money. So it's, uh, I'm very fortunate. Alan Shipnook. Let me get your thoughts on Wyndham Clark. Well, he's certainly an ascendant talent. I mean, I would say one of the three or four best swings in golf. People have been waiting for him to break through and it has happened quite rapidly here. Washington Wizards trading Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns. I don't care the Denver one at all. Everybody's looking up at the Suns. We have a new super team. Yeah, go ahead and miss me with that. It does not make them an unbeatable super team. Frank Isola. Jim, the king of the West Coast. Bradley Beal to the Suns. What was your reaction? You know, if you're going to have Kevin Durant on your team, clearly you're going to go for it. Twiddle! Is there any kind of preemption? Absolutely not. All three hours of the Smack Off will air on the simulcast as planned. Benton's like, yo, 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 look at me. I can go two weeks ahead on my program guide and I looked at him I'm like is it time and he looked me in the eye he's like Jim it's time do you want to be here I said I'm not leaving Allie the champ is here I win more than anybody because I am the best at this always have been always will be Nick wanted to know about the smack off and like an elephant caught in the headlights Shawnee Choked. You know, I don't really have a lot of smack today, but just appreciate the invitation. And so all you stuck nutters out there, just for the record, I haven't picked Jeff and Richmond. We got an active NFL GM picking a very inactive Sean Pendergast. I mean, in Casario's defense, though, he also picked the Houston Texans. So what does that tell us? How are you a general manager? I wouldn't even let you pick my fantasy football team. Love that lazy IU sport. When Ohio State played Alabama, you had one eye on C.J. Stroud and the other eye on Will Anderson at the same time. Let's 
cracking. Cube, how you doing? What's up, Jim? Feel greater than the government check. I was surprised, too. <laughs> Zeke, it's always great to have you on The Last Word. Thank you very much for joining us. What's up? My pleasure. I just sent CP3 to Washington. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. My totem is bigger than basketball. You know? That's a 19-year-old who doesn't need the reinvention project. How can you not love the guy already? Wemby mania. It's not just happening in New York City. It's happening in the studio right now. Greg Berhalter is joining us once again. It was a tough period. It made us stronger. And we started to see the positive sides of things, you know, getting so many nice messages. You know, Janet is always one to send amazing messages. You know, that's what led us to this process. Melvin Gordon is joining us. Still want to play, you know, um, and you have a lot of running backs that's out there. And we just, <laughs> we just don't get no love. It's literally the worst position to play in NFL right now. You know, it's, it's it literally sucks. Speaking of gross and egotistical, let's talk about methylene. You literally the yesterday, yesterday is another, another dumb spock at chump stain. Instead of being attacked by a goose, he can be attacked by crows and there to lie with scorpions and crabs. Forget all that. I'll just rip his spine out and set him on fire. Cruelty to people who deserve it is fabulous. You nailed that nut. He is Eric Musselman. I can promise you when I'm riding a beach cruiser down Mission Beach on the boardwalk, I want to have my shirt off for sure. You got to lay off the carbs. An hour cardio, an hour weightlifting seven days a week will certainly help. I guarantee that. On Nick Casario being the illegitimate child of Marty Feldman's eyeball. On Caleb making a better Jeff call than Jeff has made in 21 years. Uh, my beef is with that low-fat cupcake Kevin Durant and his thin skin. My girlfriend is the Amber in Portland, and my beef is with her. Hey, babe, how about you clean my pipe? My beef is with both of my girlfriends. Yes, Jim Rome. Yes, Bradley in Bakersfield. We're doing good. For another win for Bakersfield, it's like, ladies, Stop it with the lip injections. Holy moly. The Detroit Pictons. So come on, methylene. Your calls make the clone scream. Ah, He's the one who pumps chicks like a rabbit on crystal meth. Lane Johnson is my guest. Yeah, for anybody, it's like, I guess, uh, be like uh, us getting a C-section pretty much. Ah. Yeah, thank you, Jim. There is no jungle without Albie. Thanks, Jay. It's always awesome to join you. Appreciate you. Jim, much love, much respect. A very good More night now. version of Hasbro. Pick up the phone on the 30th, bitch. Skinny up. <laughs> and until next time, Jim. Good night. Good night now. Good night now.